My name is Tim. I won't tell you my last name. None of us will ever tell you our last name. Except for Jenna. If I tell you my last name, the Yerks could find me. Yerks probably aren't real. I'm reading a book that was written for middle schoolers. Welcome to Minds at Yerk, an Animorphs podcast where I am reading Animorphs for the first time. I am Tim, and with me are two people who read Animorphs a long time ago, first of which is Alex. Hello, Alex. Hello, Tim. How are you? I am good. It is time for your Tim-building question. If you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be? Jinko jeans. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. And also with us is Megan. Hi. Okay, hi. hi, Megan. Hi, Tim. Your tone scares me. <laughs> you have to sing karaoke. What song no. what song do you pick? I don't fucking sing karaoke. No. I don't wear Jinko jeans, but that didn't stop me from bringing them back. <laughs> I mean, like I get invited to karaoke once a month. I don't go cuz they tell me I'd have to sing. So you don't even have a song that you'd like to pick? No, because I wouldn't see. Uh, Alright. Meg, it's another Tim building question. Okay. If you could sit in the woods with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? Just sit in the woods? Yep. (laughs) Guess my mom, because we've done that before. Alright. Weird question. Okay. I, f- I feel like I need to 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 uh, mention the first thing to pop into my head was hammer pants, but I actually learned this week that they are in the process of coming back, so there's no need for me to do it personally. I just I needed to get that out there. Where where did you learn that hammer pants might be coming back? Well, I was on Instagram one day, Tim, and I got an ad from the harem pants company advertising. As hammer pants are also known, harem pants to me. And this was funny to me for many reasons. And I asked around and got a response of, no, but I hope so, or please God no, depending on whom I asked. So I did some research myself and found out, yes, they are actually in the process of coming back. I don't know if I feel relieved or really bummed that you did not ask me. Uh... Somehow I knew that it would be best to save it for a podcast. <laughs> right. Oh, now I've got to Google where I can find Hammer Pants. Harem Pants Company's Instagram feed. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've bought clothes off of Instagram. It's actually not a terrible idea. I don't mean to buzz market a Harem Pants Company, but they're the Harem Pants Company, I guess. So if you Googled Harem Pants, that's what you'd get. If you Google Hammer Pants, you get interviews about MC Hammer's opinions on hammer pants as a cultural phenomenon he's cool with it spoiler alert what a shocker huh interesting 
All right. So <laughs> this time, did you wear hammer pants when they were first around, either of you? I, I've never even seen a pair of hammer pants except on TV. Meg, I want about- you to dig deep into your knowledge of my <laughs> whole thing. So that's a yes for Alex. Yep, got it in one. How, how well you know me. Tim, did you wear Jinko jeans the first time around? No. No, no, no. That- I don't like the tone you're taking about Jinko jeans. No, I, that is far too out of my realm to wear anything that sort of outlandish i think we would use the word so what i'm hearing is we have to get to do it in his 40s i was gonna say he's gonna do it when we do a live show (laughs) yes oh no the two are not necessarily mutually exclusive (laughs) this is very true so this time we read the first half of the hork bajir bajir Hork Bajir Chronicles. We did. Uh, did y'all like it? Did y'all like yes. it better this time than the last time? I definitely remember this reading of it more clearly than I remember my last <laughs> reading of it. And I did <laughs> like good. it. Yeah, I remember loving this book as a kid, and there were still some things that I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was this book. Cool. I'm going to say this. I feel like this is way more, for lack of a better word, literary than other Animorph books so far. So I feel like there's probably no way I appreciated it as much as a kid as I do now. That's fair. There is some stuff in it. (laughs) That's very, yeah. Tim, what'd you think? I I enjoyed it. Uh, It was neat watching... Jack watching his like grammar and ability to talk and stuff sort of grow as the story progressed. There's some neat neat features to it. Which I guess I'll recap it for you now. The Hork Bajir Chronicles, part one. Tobias flies to the Hidden Valley Ranch to hear Jeremy tell a story. Aldria explains how Ciro's kindness unleashed the Yerks. Ciro and his family are assigned to make contact on the Hork-Bajir homeworld because no one would be interested in it. Dak Hammy is different. He is a seer. He is to show his people a new way, and he is to first make contact. He is the first to make contact with the Andalites. Dak Hammy is Hork-Bajir Stephen Hawking. Esplan nine four six six takes out a training jet. He wants a body now. Aldria acquires a Chidu and follows Dak around in his world. Much ado about nothing. <laughs> nice. Esplin 9466 is the first to take a hork host. Aldria and Dak realize the Yurks are here. There is a Yurk dumber than Visser 3, and his name is Karger. Karger attacks three defenseless Andalites, which are Aldria's family. Aldria watches them die and vows to kill them all. Esplin gets crippled by Dak, and Karja runs away. Aldria threatens Esplin as he lays there. The hork must learn to fight to survive. Aldria and Dak run to Father Deep. Karja and the Jeds follow into the deep and are eaten by a Jubba Jubba, <laughs> whose hand is cut off by Aldria. Aldria 
and Dak continue below the mist and find civilization. Visser 3 realizes that the Andalite isn't dead and plans to take her as a host. Man, so I really hoped when you were like, there is a Yerk dumber than Visser 3, you're going to be like, and his name is... Esplan9466. I was really hoping for that one. I honestly remembered that, but I'll be honest, when I first read it, I read Esplan9466 and I was like, Visser's twin! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because it's an entire story, but it's twin, not Visser 3. Then I remembered that they both were... One was lesser and one was not lesser. Yeah. So. Greater might be the yeah, opposite. Yeah. It might be. Hold on. Wait a second. But I didn't think Mr. 3 was going to be in this story, so I was happy. And yeah, well, it is it's curious like, how this is, all of these stories interrelate. Esplan 9466 is the best Visser 3. Yes. Yeah, right? Visser 3's yeah, gotta he, get a big head bump at some point. Yeah, he uh, he clearly gets dumber as time goes on. Because this guy was on point through most of this book i mean okay let's let's start there though oh shit sorry i'm listening (laughs) meg missed a stitch (laughs) meg was trying to go back a row and fucked it all up and now i have to undo 27 rooms worth of work that's one for each dress in that movie (laughs) (laughs) let's just talk about puffs instead (laughs) welcome to our new puffs cast (laughs) I don't even know how we got here. Um, okay, this Visser is smarter and he must get a bump on the head. But. Or go through like some time vortex thing. Maybe that would screw him up. Oh, wait. <laughs> but. <laughs> counterpoint. Alternate counterpoint to Meg's counterpoint. What if he just doesn't realize these Earth kids aren't Andalites and is trying to view everything through Andalite logic? And they are, in fact, not lawful good question mark. They're not lawful colonial. We'll put it that way. They're lawful teenager. I mean, maybe. Now, he's still pretty dumb for not realizing they're <laughs> Earth kids, but... Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he was he was clearly somebody that should be in charge of the Yerks in this story. Yeah. It's just odd that it doesn't play out that way when he gets to be in charge of the Yerks. I mean, it it shows an ambitious guy. It shows how he got to become a visitor, which is yeah. kind of cool. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't just the fact that he somehow ended up with an Andalite body. Like, he, it was a goal. He has more dimensions. I'm so bummed about this yarn. Um, and he's so one track minded and focused, and and that does blind you. He does get taken out by one of the Hork-Bajir, though. So one of those lowly, your... lowly, dumb Hork-Bajir who don't know how to fight. Yeah. But knows their own body more than somebody that you're possessing. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I kind of can't wait to see how this book ends. I'm now humming work your body in my head, but it's yerk your body, and I feel the need <laughs> to, to share that with everyone. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks. Well, so, while we're kind of tangentially on the most, as I put it, this is the most I have ever or will ever like Esplan 9466 in my note. Um, starting at the end, basically. 
Do you mean to imply that an Andalite girl is stronger, braver, and more resourceful than your own than our own warriors? Yes, I yeah. said. Yes, the Andalites did not become the dominant species in this part of the galaxy by being weak or stupid or cowardly. So whatever is up isn't like pure hatred, at least not at this point. Yeah, which is. I think an important way maybe to enter into this book, if backwards, um, because so much about, at least the first half of this, is about perspective. You know, you you mentioned that. It, it was an interesting thing where the way this book is framed, it makes the Yerks appear like they're just like opportunistically taking advantage of Ciro. But then when they get the chance to kill uh, Aldrea, they're yelling things like Andalite filth, which makes me think that this leaves out part of the story of the Yerk viewpoint of the Andalites. Like, why? Yeah. Well, there why are, the hatred there, there? There are some big gaps. Um, yeah. We don't know... We get kind of near near the end of the first half of this. We get an acknowledgement that the Council of Thirteen is along for the ride. But the visser sub hierarchy is a new thing contrived during this. And one could argue, you know, one could question just how much... how much of what happened was the Council of Thirteen's plan, how much of it was rogue members who just kind of pulled everyone into space and said, this is our life now. Because we don't actually see that. That is left... Yeah. I think intentionally uh, uh, vague. Uh, it, yeah, it also sort of, when you look at it from that framework, does that mean that the Council of Thirteen current day is different than the Council of Thirteen 1966? I would like, assume so, because it seems like they have quite a few turnover. Um, maybe not entirely different, but... Yeah, um, but like... What was the number of the person that he said was was like an old yerk? Oh, I don't remember. It was like 600-something. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be the most telling, is like, yeah. of the rotations, you know, what's considered old. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, have... I mean that more in the aspect of, like, if they just did this without talking to the Council of Thirteen, like you said, did they just start a new Council of Thirteen once they become a space race and abandon? No, because they definitely said that there, whoever was already in charge that became the Council of Thirteen. Like, there was a group of Thirteen Elders. They have officially become the Council of Thirteen. Now, has that changed up over time? Probably. I mean, people die. Yerks die, you know. But I don't think it was a rogue thing. I think that... They were in on it. You know, the Yerks were opportunistic, and they wanted this, and they went about it the very wrong way, you know, killing anything. And... Yeah, I mean, I can't remember what the uh, the prologue and the, the chapter one, like, what the time difference is, but there is a time difference. The chapter one to chapter two difference is two years. Uh, two Andalite years? Two Earth years. Okay. Um, chapter one is Andalite date 8561.2. Chapter two is 8563.5. Yerk date one is six eighty five mid cycle, two is six eighty six early cycle. 
Hork-Bajir is early warm uh, to late cool, which tells us that in Chapter 2, winter is coming. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I got that reference. Um, I thought you might. I was going to go with this somewhere, and I can't remember now. I don't know. I guess, you know, think about... I, I've recently read a few historical fiction books, World War One, World War Two, and stuff like that, and just remembering everything I've learned about the time period over those wars, because neither of them are longer than... I want to say one of them is only five years, but I could be completely thinking something else. But either way, the like amount of change of perception, I mean, it, it makes sense that Andalite filth is coming out of their mouth several years later. Oh, I see. Well, that makes sense. And we get the sense from Esplin's narration that it's not like the Yurks are some, you know, hive mind. I mean, we know they're not literally a hive mind, but they are not in agreement necessarily with each other. It's not the whole Yurk race that has done this. It's whoever got out into space. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've probably gone back since and gotten more. But maybe, yeah. if they've broken the Andalite barrier around the world. True. Because uh, we learned that there is an Andalite barricade blocking off the Yurk homeworld now. I wonder if that's still going on 30 years later. Yeah. Um... And why not just blow up the planet? Thinking from an Andalite's perspective, well, not my own. I mean, in the Andalite Chronicles, we got that the quantum virus on the Hork-Bajir homeworld went very poorly, so maybe... Yeah. Yeah, maybe they're related. Um, but we get, we get this clear picture that there are Yurks that are of different mindsets and care about different things and what Visser 3 what Esplin cares about is I don't want to be in this weak blind body I want out I want to live in this world yeah he also he just wants power he wants power but he wants power to protect himself yeah and I'm not saying by any means what he is doing here is right, but what he is doing, it's like Tim said, this is the most relatable he is, the most likable he is, because it's meant to be that. No. I mean, we hey, remember when we just, like, blindly hated Yerks, and, like, Yerks are all bad? <laughs> and now we're like, aw. Not that we're, like, saying that Visitor 3 is good, but, like, I get it. Hey, the yeah, Cassies among us have always gotten it. He, You know? He's That's fair. so, like, 0% motivated by, like, attacking the Andalites at this point, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's exactly what you said. He's like, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. These are means to get there. Let's go. When we, yeah. And so it's, it's a lot more like cold and calculating and, and thought out than the Visitor He studies the Andalites almost solely for the purpose of having a purpose. Yeah. Rather than like, these are our enemies. We sh I mean, it is know thy enemy kind of thing, but it's not like, to vow to yeah. harm the Andalites well, or anything. It's, it's a radicalization process. It starts yeah. as, if I am to be free, I must prove utility. To prove utility, I need to help protect us. I will learn how to protect us. And I think it is an us statement at that point, as much yes. as or almost as much as a me statement. Mm -hmm. If only out of necessity. 
I think the Visser 3 we know from the 90s timeline is so anti-Andalite scum, quote-unquote, because these specific Andalites are the thing that endangers him of losing status and thereby losing power. That's fair. I mean, you can also argue that he's basically accomplished everything that he wants. He's became a visitor, he has an Andalite body, the arrogance and everything, it just makes you stupid. Yeah, I mean, that's also valid. Uh, but the thing, the thing that this does that I like and that I want to kind of point at is in a very real way, Esplan and Doc are set up as foils to each other. To maybe a lesser degree, Aldrea too, but really specifically we get the two of them. Um, and I've got a couple of chunks of text here, so bear with me. Uh... Things that are far away are small. If Mother Sky's flowers are very far away, they might be very large. They might be suns. My legs became weak. I rested on my back tail. I could not speak. Yada, yada, yada. Mother Sky's flowers were suns, and these strangers had come from one of those suns. The things I thought were true were no longer true. Yada, yada, yada. On that day, the old Dakami died. On that day, I truly became Dakami the seer. Later in the book given this perspective of, like, death of self and change and a vast change in perspective, changing goals and motivations, he says, I had hoped I had been chosen to show my people all the things your father tried to show the Yerks. I wanted to teach them music, writing, art. I wanted to teach them to keep track of the time, the passing of the years, to make tools, to build. And I'll come back to some of that later, too, in another context. But he wants to use knowledge to build because they live in this idyllic world. They don't know they don't know internal they strife. Don't know. They don't know to fight. They have a void above them and a void below them and they see danger is coming from one of those places, specifically the one below them. But they are in ultimately a pretty idyllic chill setting. We get the same thing early on from Visser 3. I looked through the Ged's eyes. I used the Ged's own brain to filter and interpret the eerie, insane input. And then slowly I understood. I was looking at other Ged's. I was looking around the table at the inside of the spacecraft. I was looking down at my own pool. So small it was. So dark. So insignificant. Fifteen minutes later. And then my time was up. I had to leave the Ged host and return to the pool. Afterward, I communicated with my friends and siblings... Many of them found the whole experience terrifying, sickening, awful. Not me. From that moment on, I swore that I would do whatever it took, pay any price to have eyes again. It's it's the same thing coming from the same place, but one is idyllic and one is a loss of self in a way. It's having to accept less as a status quo when that's what you had. Um, whereas Dakami is getting more and more and more in terms of knowledge. But they're coming from the same place. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about that while I was reading it. But that's, that's pretty accurate. I mean, he even says later, I was left to wander blind around the home that had once been my tired universe or sorry, my entire universe, and was now a filthy trap. 
And the entire reason that he has that perspective, getting to, I mean, the tension between Nurks and Andalites, maybe, the entire reason he has that perspective is because of this kind of colonialist attitude the Andalites take, of coming in and, I mean, we talk about Sierra's kindness in in terms of being that, in terms of being a kindness, but... They came in, they showed all this technology, and then they sent the Yurks back to their pools. It's, it's, it's something Doc says later, too. Your father made a mistake. The Yurks were content, but by showing them all they did not have, they began to want more. They wanted to be like you, like Andalites, which... Why would you? Well, and I think the thing even in that <clears throat> is still missing the point. It's the problem is not that the Andalites come in and show the Yurks more. It's that believing they're inherently lesser and don't deserve to have more is really the tension here. I mean, that's kind of the tension of Andalites the entire series is right. that you know, it's this species that truly thinks that they are above all, at least in their sector. And that they're pompous about it and don't understand the value of lesser beings. And, and that's, I mean, they're responsible for everything that's going on for all the death and of their kind of humankind of work your kind, maybe not of Jed's. I get the feeling that like whatever grand design you, you believe in. I mean, the way that Jed's are described, I, I think that they're entirely put there so that jerks can infest them, but that's just me. I mean, it certainly sounds like that's the the kind of symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think that um, I, I I only vaguely remember how this book goes. I mean, it can only go one of two ways: either our characters die or they are infested. Yeah. Because the entire horde is your fall, right? Yeah. Yep. And so. I was going to go somewhere with that, and now I t- totally can't remember where. It... I don't know. There, I just this entire series is like a lesson in hubris. It's a lesson in hubris, but it's also like I still think I don't know. I think there's there's maybe a point to be missed in the Andalites version and the Yerks version of the argument. But, and, and I don't know, I don't just want to bang through all my notes in a row, but, like, the thing that this also sets up is this idea that Aldrea is turning around and doing basically the same thing to Doc in similar ways that still boils down to just not only hubris, but actually seeing other sentient creatures as lesser. Like, as, as as a different, not even intellectually disparate, but, like, existentially disparate. Yeah. And, and I, she basically flat out says to him. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, and she's surprised when he's smart enough to pick up on the fact that she has just said that. And I think this is the first time that in really specific ways in really specific ways, like, it is as 
muddled as thematically the books make it sound. I mean, we've gotten a lot of war, general, you know, general capital W war is, you know, forces compromises and forces change and is nightmarish and no one comes out with their hands clean. But in a very specific sense, like, it, without without absolving the Yerks of what they're doing being wrong, the Andalites are also wrong. Oh, they're they're entirely responsible for all this. Yeah, and not just in a not just in a cause and effect way though. Um, did either of you read like the back flap of the dust jacket? No, I read no. this in ebook. There's actually a quote from K. A. Applegate on it about the book. The hork Chronicles is a book I've wanted to write for a long time. I wanted to show that most stories of conflict are more complicated than any one side would have you believe. Not that good and evil are impossible to find or define, just that, the, just that reality is usually a little grayer around the edges. Which doesn't come as a shock, but they actually put something she said outright on the book for once. So, underline exclamation point, I guess. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I wasn't kidding when I said we've come a long way from Yorks are bad. Yeah. Period. No change. It's definitely... It's definitely a lot deeper than I imagined before we started this, this story going. And there's a lot more moving parts and a lot more... I, it's interesting to me that we've had this many conversations about this book with different opinions. And, and I don't know, like this one, like the concepts in this one are very much evident in that with the way that the Andalites view the Yerks, the, the, the way that the impact that Aldrea is having on Dak versus the impact that Ciro had on the Yerks. And the outcomes that would have happened. Because it would have been interesting to see how the hork reacted to sort of the same treatment after after time. You know? It, it doesn't sound like they would have been as, as willing to accept, aside from Dak, what it was or even understand what the... What it was that the Andalites were bringing to them. They wouldn't have understood. I mean... Yeah. It's like talking to... Like a three-year-old about things. I mean... So I don't know, in parts, it reminded me of talking to my sister. Um, I was babysitting them over a long weekend, and they were less than five. And I had just gone through a bad breakup, and my sister was just like, so get over it. And I was like, well, try and explain to a five-year-old, like, a relationship and why it hurt and why I was, you know, a little upset and down and everything. And she's just like, I don't know, go find a new boyfriend. It's not a big deal. And, like, it's that kind of directness and that kind of, like... They just don't have the emotional capacity to, you know, understand art or music and, you know, and they're happy. That's the thing is like these cultures or these, these creatures that this is all they have. They're happy. They're content and they're not less. I mean, God, honestly, it would probably be a lot better to be this innocent. Yeah. I mean, I think that's. That's the thing I bumped into, I think, a couple of times through this was 
I mean, I, 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 I've mentioned before, like, Andalites as metaphor for imperialism and colonialism. Oh, they're entirely, yeah. But there really is this, like, subtle, almost unintentional, sometimes reinforcement of the idea that, well, this race that, that or this species that doesn't formulate sentences or do math in the way we do or whatever and lives this peaceful life that doesn't understand fighting or secret keeping is somehow less or less valid and like even even just in the i don't know there's this honest vibe of like the trope in or the stereotype in old pulp novels of explorer goes into deep country africa or india and finds the one enlightened kid who can show them around like there are elements of that 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 formally structurally are reinforced in this um and i think it makes efforts to to program against that but and the thing that sent me down on this was you mentioned you know Mu- can't you know, not being able to appreciate music in the way we do or appreciate language in the way we do um but like they straight up make giant violins out of trees to communicate yeah, with other tribes awesome. at night that's amazing i think my yeah my exact note is they play giant tree violins protect these sweet space babies <laughs> This, uh, reading this hero stuff at the beginning, I, all I could think about is this is 100% why we have the Prime Directive. Like, <laughs> please go watch your Star Trek. You are not allowed to do exactly what you're doing for exactly this reason. Well, thankfully the Applegates are Star Trek fans. Yeah. They know. That's <laughs> like, that's what this is. This is like the book that they give kids at Starfleet Academy. Be like, <laughs> You want to understand why we have the Prime Directive? Here you go. Be- Yerks. Yerks is why we have the Prime Directive. I got a lot of thoughts and feelings right now, and it's just... <sighs> this book. Um, can we talk about how this is our first female Andalite? Yes. Doesn't that Jeez. seem odd? Well, it is explained. Yeah, a little bit. But Women even are st- not warriors. Even still, it seems strange to me. Well, like not even a mention of like back home or or sis or, or anything. Hold. There's been mentions of mothers. We have had there have been mentions of mentions of mothers. We also had Axe admit he wasn't always paying attention in class because he was distracted by female andalites. Did he specifically say female? I don't remember that. Yeah, no, he said it. I mean, he said it because I know he said he was distracted, but I can't remember if it was because of another and lighter. I I think it was a female one, but yeah. it's either that or sports. Yeah, I mean, he says straight up that it was. He at one point says another andalite, and I'm almost positive he says female. I think you're right. I'm just yeah. Teasing. Um, but. It does explain, like Meg was saying, it does explain why. And also you can make the argument, we've made this argument before on other things when we talked about Andalite Chronicles, 
it is certainly possible that by the time Axe is an heiress, that some of these restrictions have loosened. Yeah, that's true. Because there are female Andalites for X to be distracted by at that point. We just don't know any. I mean, they're obviously educated. They obviously go to school. They do science or arts, which I guess maybe science is the equivalent of, like, staying at home with the kids on an Andalite world. Like, it doesn't seem to be as... I don't want to say as prestigious as it is on Earth, but, like, if you're doing a science... If you are doing science, if you are a scientist... That image in your mind, I bet you all of us have something similar. Yeah. And I get the feeling it's not the same for Andalites. Yes. No, I'd agree with that. The The guys on the ships and the guys starting the colonies are the guys with the... Yeah, they're the, the prestigious. Yes. Yes. I really really cringed at the i'm not like other is it i'm not like other girls or i'm not other like female andalites i don't remember (laughs) i did cringe on that but but also she can morph and is a fighter and in very literal ways like she she is doing things that typically they are not allowed to do by virtue of a certain amount of privilege that comes with being the daughter of a prince who's friends with the person who invented the Escafil device. Yes. Which makes it sound like there's only one. At this point, at least. Right. Yeah. Um, but this is also pre-Dome Ship. That's true. Did we ever establish what your Andalite Chronicles is? Um, I thought it was in the 70s. Okay. That's yeah. what I thought too, but I, I couldn't remember exactly. I mean, to be fair, I do honestly think that someone has sat down to figure out, like, Andalite years versus human years, and, like, it's a pretty big gap. I don't know. I feel like we might have looked it up at one point, and at different points in the book, there are different scales. Yeah. That that don't actually align. Um, I feel like it was one of the, it's either this or this, but it isn't totally consistent kind of cases. It's not. Um, but I like her. She's not super arrogant. I mean, she truly believes that she's better than Dak in some ways. Um, not like, she's not lording it over him, but she just believes she's a superior race. Yeah, she always has good intentions with everything Whoa, that she does. Yeah. those words together. <laughs> I mean, it's true, though. Like, nothing comes from a dark place. And everything she's doing. No, I think it comes more from a bored place. It does. And it's like, it's, she's learning while she's talking to him that, that he's, that her opinions aren't, it shouldn't be the way they are, the way that she views the Hork-Bajir. Okay. For maybe the first, what, 50 or 60 pages, I can, I can go along with this, but she has a strong heel turn and goes dark and is a manipulative asshole for Oh, no, yes. Once her family dies, like, the fact that she won't admit that it's them that that she's after. Now, granted, I don't know what benefit that would have to leave him behind. He would end up dead. Like, if she just left him with a bunch of other hork he would have gotten shot. But Not not to mention, I don't think she's in the best place. She just watched her family die. So, I don't know that we can... I mean, that's fine. Anakin had just found out his mother died when he murdered all of those young sand crawlers or no sand crawlers tuscan raiders there we go yeah yeah 
I mean, at best, we can put her on a scale with Anakin Skywalker, circa middle of Return of the uh, Revenge of the Sith. Man, so hopefully her kids don't die. I don't know what happened to cause Anakin to change. It's been a long time. His mother gets killed. I mean, the manipulations of Emperor Palpatine and generally being okay, kind I of hot headed. Like the galvanizing event, clumsy as it was, was his mother being killed. Um, I definitely forgot the rest of her family died until about like five minutes before it happened. I was like, oh shit. Oh, that's right. It does go there, doesn't it? Oh, damn. Because I vaguely remember what happens to her. But I never put remembered what happened to the rest of her family. Probably because they die. Like, 50 yeah. pages in. It's nice getting the the full Zero story, though. I mean, even if it's not, like, I guess what you would call the full story, but it's nice getting more of that story. Yeah, um, to understand, like, what they did. Yeah, and it's... I'm, I'm wondering how long it'll be before Alaren comes back into this story. I don't know if he does. I mean, I feel like... I feel like he has to... Because I can't imagine there's a way this ends without dropping the quantum virus. And he was on the planet yeah. for that happening. Well, yeah, either way, like, even if this book ends before the say story ends, he's still a part of that that event. So at some point he's going to come back into this. And it was it was neat listening to him, like, how, like, instantly and... and well, I don't want to say disrespectful, but I guess disrespectful is the word he was of Ciro after the events of the Yerk escaping and just like no more respect for him whatsoever. I feel like he has to be in this book and we have to see the quantum virus because this is so early in the conflict that the only way to make that decision make sense, knowing that this is really the first planet the Yerks are going for now is if the argument is, what do you mean? It's not, it's not the first planet they went for. There's at least a discussion of at least one other aliens that they went for yeah, and found out that their brain was too separated for them to They control. That wasn't a planet situation, though, was it? No, that it was... To be, it wasn't on their planet. There was a moon base that was that they found. It wasn't a whole planet. It was like an outpost. Their yeah. brains were too separate. They couldn't be... They couldn't be... They also have gone after the Skritna the sc- and another one because they took the Skritna ships and they took someone else's ships, too. Yeah, they, yeah that, that like nomad group or whatever. Yeah, there was a group that's nomadic that doesn't have a home planet. They just exist across the stars. So there's no cuz uh, uh Aldrea even says the race will be fine because there's no way to take them all. I don't know. I just don't I it, I didn't get the impression it's the first planet, but I could be very wrong. There. It's the first planet they've gone after. It's the first species they've seen as Viable hosts on mass, especially as something capable of taking on Andalites. But it is this is it sounds like their first significant quan- conquest. Okay, here it is. Uh, we would get transmissions from the homeworld news that the Yerks had attacked a moon colonized by Skritna and had taken additional ships. The Yerks had attacked and seized a Haljabran colony ship. Uh, because the brains are not centralized. And then there was the nomad people. On Gachik minstrels? Minstrels? On on Gachik, we're going to call them. Kashik? They went for the Wookiees? (laughs) On on Gachik minstrels had been taken. But that was the nomads. 
So, I, I mean, I guess you could look at it with the, the moon base of the Skritna. I, I will give you it's maybe their first planet that they're trying to take entirely. I don't think it's the first species they've gone after. Well, no, I never said species. Yeah. The reason yeah. why I said planet and the reason why I think that's relevant is because if you are the Andalites are doing, hey, let's release this untested quantum virus. If it's your first chance to shut this thing down. Yeah. Right after, especially if it's so close to Alaran being very cheesed about this invasion or this betrayal then that sounds like the circumstance where that decision makes sense, and it sounds like he'd be one of the people to make it. All I'm saying is I think we have to see him just because of where this falls in the timeline. I think that has to come quickly. Okay. That's fair. I mean, like I said, I don't remember how this ends. I also wonder if Alaran... I I mean, I hope he's in it, because I want to know if he did that, if he sort of went off script with it, or if he just spearheaded and a bunch of people were in on it and then when it didn't work then all of a sudden they decided they didn't care for that guy as much anymore or i i kind of want to know how that plays out like if it's an andalite decision or if it's a i'm pissed because you killed my crew yeah yeah and which would make it a lot more reasonable that he would be ostracized in the way that he is if he had done that even though it sounds like they were fine with zero you know nobody was giving him any crap for going and hanging out on the Yurikon Well, Ciro outranked everyone who was stationed under him. He was put there as a scientific mission, and everyone who didn't shoot at the Geds didn't shoot at the Geds on his order. That's why Alaran was pissed. That's true. Alaran as military and not scientific leader absolutely did not trust the decision is the implication there. It did not sound yeah. like this was the first time they had had that fight. And listening to the security guards talk, it, obviously they weren't on board with it either. Yeah. They didn't have anything positive to say about the Yerks. And I'm sure that they were directly under Alaran's command. Yeah. The 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 way the, the Hork-Bajir homeworld was described... I really want to see this place, and I really want to see them playing the tree violin, and I really want to see the deep. Like, it's such an interesting concept with the the, the super-sloped hills leading into the valley, and it, it was neat that the planet was basically a giant valley, and then on Earth, the Hork-Bajir are in the, the hidden valley. I am so glad yeah. that you brought this up. This was going to be the next thing I asked about. Um, I love this planet concept, too. Yeah. Um... And I love a thing that the book does with the planet and its weird layout. So, because I don't think we've explained specifically how this planet is formed. Um, At some point, an asteroid hit it and basically smushed it so that around around the middle, around the equator, whatever. Because they say it hit basically the polar north of the planet. Um, Around the equator, it created this giant chasm. All the way around. And in that chasm, anything, you know, surface level above that chasm is inhospitable. But as you get into it, there are all these trees growing out of these sloped walls. Um, As you go further down, you get into the deep, which is this, like, misty blue vapor that you can't see through. And the Hork-Bajir live between those two things they live between the deep and space as they call it father deep and mother sky right yeah 
Mm-hmm. And... Which, by the way, I thought Father Deep, when they just flew in, was just an ocean, and that was their first experience with some kind of massive <laughs> body of water or something. I didn't realize that they were going to go down and walk through it. And well, and that's the thing. atmosphere. Okay, Tim. Tim, yes. my friend, before we get into the weird, the, the cool thing the book does with perspective, how are you on Plato? I'm bringing philosophy back, philosophy back because you had so much fun with Aristotle. <laughs> Um, not as up as I am on Aristotle now. Okay, well, we'll fix that. Okay. So, I have I have two notes, one by way of introduction and one that gets into what we're talking about right now. By way of introduction, uh, uh, Doc Wait, has... hang on. Huh? You not asking me about Plato means you think what on my take on Plato. <laughs> I figure hang you on. probably have some passing familiarity with Plato, at least. Okay, it just... Just clarified for my own sanity. I mean, I assume you're down with, like, the cave, maybe the Republic? Yes. Okay. I took philosophy, yes. Yeah. But I just was curious as you specifically asked him. And also probably some Mumford and Sons, the cave. <laughs> oh, man. Mumford and Son is married to, I, I can't remember which one, but uh, is married to Carrie Mulligan. So, yes, I'm very up on my Mumford. So, basically, I was right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, okay. my love for Carrie Mulligan goes very deep. So, Tim. Yes. Um, I'm going to give you this from, from Hork-Bajir Chronicles, and then I will get into what the platonic ideal is. Uh, Doc has carved a, a rough figure of his buddy uh, Jagil in a stick. Yes. And he presents this to him and says, This is you, Jagil. This yes. is not me, Jagil said. Yes, yeah, see that the wrist blades are shaped like your wrist blades? See that the tail is like your tail? See that the horns are short like your horns? That is not me, Jagil said. I am me. I am here. I am not there. I am not a scraping by a burned stick. I'm too sober for Plato. <laughs> well, I'm not. Um, I poured a double for today. <laughs> and my note here is platonic ideals only for the Hork-Bajir. So the plato- the idea of a platonic ideal, Tim. Imagine a chair. <laughs> yes. You don't have romantic feelings for anyone. Okay. <laughs> At least not this chair. Imagine a chair. <laughs> okay. A chair that I don't particularly care about. Got it. Just imagine a chair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Me and the chair are just friends. Okay. Now think about the idea of a chair. What makes a chair? What is it? What is its essential chairness? Okay. Do you want me to describe this to you, no, or just like no, have it in I my head? I just want you to okay. hold this in your head. That first thing you did was you pictured a chair. Yes. A chair which is once removed from that platonic ideal, the essential chair, because it could have four legs. It could have a couple of curved metal pieces. It could have no back. It could have a back. It could lean back. It could be on wheels. It could be a stump on the ground. There is a chairness to that if you can sit on it. Mm-hmm. All of those are in the vein of that ideal, but removed from it. They yes. are filtered by our perception. And what you're left with is the idea of a chair. When you pictured the chair, you are once removed from an, an actual chair, twice removed from the idea of a chair. When okay. you think about the idea of a chair, you're getting somewhere closer. <laughs> sure. In in, in the metaphor in the cave, it is as though you are seeing a shadow of a chair cast on a wall. Okay. 
And in this book, Dakami is leaving the cave. This is a platonic text. <laughs> Sorry. It's really not, though. <laughs> Down here, one cannot even stop. see the valley above, Doc said. A creature living here would think the blue mist was sky. A creature living in a cave would only ever know that and not the greater world out there, only the, the veil through which it is cast into their existence. I think it is a platonic text. And I, I can definitely see how it could relate. And this is this is Dakami's entire thing is he has this ability to break down and learn and experience the ideas and gain ideas. He doesn't know what space travel is. He doesn't know what monsters are. He knows what he thinks they are. He knows where he thinks they come from, but he doesn't know where they come from. He doesn't know what fighting is, what right. war is, what a weapon is. He has no idea of this. And everything is a shock to him. And he comes from a people that don't understand the concept of representation. Huh? Like, that's that's how simple of a people oh, he comes of, from. Of, he's of, getting his... of pictorial representation. Yeah, pictorial representation. Not like <laughs> I was about to say, no, Aldrea comes political. from people who don't understand the concept <laughs> of representation. No, no, no. Yeah, they, they, like, so simple that they can't even understand that a picture of him is a right. picture of him. It's the same thing for Esplin. He has yes, received yes, ideas of what it is like to exist in a world with what we would think of as, as a normal amount of perception. And yet he can't even comprehend that until he goes in it. And others are scared by it. Others are made yes. uncomfortable by it in the same way that other hork are by the world above them and below them. Actually, not above them. Above them, that's just sky. That is giving. That is life. There are no monsters there. There are flowers. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, you're, you're baiting me to jump ahead in my notes. <laughs> but, all of this was necessary to get to my thing that I think makes the planet super cool. It's not in a romantic relationship. It is not. <laughs> Um, I don't know, maybe Ego or Mogo is rolling by through space there. Um, I wonder... Maybe it wasn't an asteroid. Was Mogo ever in a relationship? Did that ever happen? Oh, I want it to now. I know, me too. Me too. Um, let me write Green Lantern so I can write a Mogo (laughs) love story. Okay. I have three passages. The first is Doc. Actually, I want the story where Mogo gets dumped and somebody has to help him deal with it. That's the story that I want. Sorry. All right, moving on. Down here, one cannot even see the valley above, Doc said. A creature living here would think the blue mist was the sky. He was right. Only the source of light... The only, yeah, only the source of light was below us, not above us. I knew that beyond the blue barrier it was night, and yet the blue glowed, reflecting light. As he has left the Hidden Valley, and he has gone through the deep and passed through the clouds, left the cave, he sees there's actually a whole other world there. Um, Even the world that he has seen as the whole world is literally just the, not the surface, but is scratching the surface of of what's deeper. Here is, here is Aldrea. 
We were being saved by the topography of the planet. The Yerk fighter pilots seemed confused. I'm sorry, this is, this is well, this is Aldrea, but it's about the Yerks. They didn't know whether they should position themselves above us or straight out from us. It was a problem an Andalite would have easily solved, but the Yerks were still new to the entire world of sight. The trees, the sharp slope, baffled them. Here's Aldrea when she'd morphed into a, uh, what was it called? A Chadu? Yeah, because much yeah. ado about nothing. Yeah. Higher and higher we went, and yet there remained the bizarre fact that the ground was not so much below us as it was beside us. In the other direction, however, away from the valley, there were only trees. This whole world is this liminal space where there is no direction and where you don't know where danger really comes from. You don't know where monsters are. We have many tales, we hork Bajir, of Father Deep. Father Deep and Mother Sky gave birth to us, their children. Mother Sky gave us air and light. Father Deep gives us soil and water. Both are necessary for the trees that sustain us. But Father Deep is also the place from which monsters come. Tim? Yes. Or Meg? Where do the monsters come from in this book? Father Deep. The monsters come from Mother Sky. Because this liminal space doesn't let you know where anything really is. It's so cool. It's so cool and also a really weird, like, freshman English paper. <laughs> let the record reflect, Meg has brought the knitting back out. <laughs> Megan's been knitting the whole time. Um, I was just counting stitches. Um no, it is. It's. It's. I do kind of wish I had, you know, read this book recently when I took uh, philosophy or even theory class. I mean, I think it can apply to both and um, make a good paper. And then my teacher probably would have yelled, "Stop!" The yelled, not yelled at me to stop writing papers about Hunger Games. So you, you talk about Dak and Esplin being sort of foils of each other. This whole book series is set up in that same kind of like like the Yerks take the form but they do it by taking and and the Animorphs do it by I guess a better term is sharing even though that's not really a better term. The yeah. sharing? The sharing. It's sort of like a, a, a coexistence form of doing it as opposed to just completely taking over which is what the Yerks are. Which is sort of the same reason that I love the first season of Heroes. <laughs> also known as the only legitimately good season of Heroes. Yeah. Meg, don't do it. We already had this conversation this week. Don't no, do I it. No, I know. That's, I'm just laughing because we had a conversation about Heroes. Like, Did days. you really? Oh. Not relationship, but not it, in relation to Animorphs. It was uh, related to it was, uh, iZombie. It was the same, the same concept. The hero sort of gathered the powers of the people around him, whereas the villain took yeah. and took their lives in order to do so. And so it creates like this neat sort of balance, I guess, you know, to but the to the methods. The Andalites are just as guilty of this. And welcome to my heading, Aldrea is a monster in my notes. No, let me let me tell you I was speaking more in terms of the Animorphs. Very much agreed that the Andalites could be viewed as as, as very villainous, depending on your, your viewpoint of things. You know? I think the Andalites are Villainous. I mean, yeah, I, I I don't think I would call them heroic, except for Axe, obviously. But Axe is my dude. What she does in this to to a, a another living being who is not only ostensibly her friend, 
but yeah. is loyal to her. Maybe is not so platonic. We may have to steal a Yerk ship. We may have to fly, Doc. We may have to go all the way up into space. It was what Doc wanted most, I knew, to experience space, to fly up to the stars. It was a promise he could never refuse. A vibe. A bribe. He wanted to leave the cave. Doc stopped walking. (laughs) I stopped and turned back to face him. What's the matter? You don't have to say that, Aldrea. You do not have to hold out your ripe Nawan cone and make me stay with you. All this time together, Aldrea, and yet you don't know that I would sacrifice anything for you. I could only stare, stare and burn with humiliation. He had seen right through me. I felt small and shabby. I felt, or I should have said I was sorry, but that too would have been a lie. At that moment, nothing mattered to me, nothing but erasing the pain of watching my family burn. I, I do love that. Like, he finds the most polite way to say, you're not smarter than me. Like, yeah. I'm not falling for your crap. I'm gonna go because you're my friend, not because you're like, hey, look at spaceships. Quote-unquote friend. Yeah. yeah. No, you kind of got that that vibe. This this is very much going the way of... of um, Listen, if I've learned to, anything to, about the series, Tobias's Andalites parents don't, don't necessarily mate with Andalites, and that no. is totes awesome. No, it was it's a very good Tobias parents feel. I mean, if you have too. morphing technology, there's what's going to be great is if they don't end up together after Tib's like, yes, they yeah. are in love. This <laughs> is the vibe. <laughs> um. You mentioned hey, Tobias, Tim. Yes. I feel like Doc and Tobias would be buddies. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely they would. Remember, don't tell your fellow hork who and what I am, Andrea said. They would not understand if I told them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, uh, yes. Also, I, back to Andrea as a manipulative monster, I was still greedy for knowledge, but Andrea had begun to say that I, uh, to say that I knew all she knew. Was this true? It didn't matter. I needed Aldrea the way the leaves need Mother Sky. There was no one else for me to talk to. She's alone. He's alone by himself. He's the only one of his kind. He is part one, part another, but not one of either. He is Tobias. Yep. Which is fitting that Tobias is there listening to their story. Yep. Okay. I did say that there are only two way out. Is that they either get captured and enslaved or they die yes but we do start this entire book and i'm dead serious i don't remember how their relationship or any of that ends um but we do start this with this is someone's great great grandfather or great grandfather or something father father jeremy's father father yeah Yeah. so Um, it's um but i I don't think that the 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 act of procreation stops just because you have a yerk in your head right they're still trying to like help their numbers so, oh, this just took a dark turn. I, I don't want to go saying, down this. I'm just I saying, don't, don't want to go down this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that it, you know, a yerk in your head precludes that. We can end that conversation right there. But I mean, you're right. It does yeah. not. But but we don't want to talk about yerk forced repopulation camps. Yep. Thank you. No, we don't. No, we don't. Uh, hey, can I read the passage? Uh, the the one sentence. That gives us a solution to the entire Yerk and Delight uh, conflict. If anyone had a fucking brain in their head, is it a passage or a sentence? It's a <laughs> sentence. Okay, go ahead. 
I inserted my palps into the computer interface and read with virtual eyes. The Andalites helped them develop fucking computer interfaces. Just build them robots. Yeah. Yeah, they could have had little yerk mechs. I don't think that works. Why? They have portable Candrona. Yeah, but that... Okay. Robots don't have brains. What are the yerks going to wrap themselves around? They what reach, are they going to... They reach into yeah. these interfaces with their little palps. They they yep. communicate through electro, electrical energy signatures because they directly interface with the electrical pulses through synapses. All they're doing is feeding computers, and clearly they have technology. It says in here, Ciro helped them develop technology to to use... This is how Visser 3 trained before he had a host body. He just plugged in. We have computers. I cannot die and put my brain in something else. We're not talking transferring consciousness. We're talking tiny little Power Rangers orgs. Yes. Yes. I just, I don't know. We're talking about making Krangs. Yes, Krangs. That's a much better analogy. It's the Krang. Clearly, nothing nothing did more to contribute to the Krangs being peaceful people than giving them robot bodies. Yeah. So, so I'm super down with this because instead of Ciro's kindness, you could have had Ciro's off button and not told them about the the off button. Ciro's kill switch? (laughs) Ciro's kill switch. The minute they get a little too uppity and they fly a little too close to the sun, you just hit that button. All of a sudden, all their mechs stop working and they're out. That's because that's not horrible. I'm saying you don't know who you can trust. No, absolutely. Yerkbots. Why was this not a thing? You could have given them little go-karts. Little Yerk go-karts they could have driven and they'd have driven like the Batmobile when he's jumping from rooftop to rooftop. I was picturing Mario Kart with Yerks. <laughs> it's a me, also a Yerkio! <laughs> Little Yerk throwing the banana peel and then giving you the evil eye as he drives fast. They could Absolutely. they could use their little robot bodies to stage Hamlet and one of them could play Yerkushio. <laughs> okay, you're done. No. <laughs> Oh, all the things, all the things that could be done. There is a reason this can't be done, and I don't know enough about science to go there. But there is a reason. Andalites made fucking morphing technology. You think they can't build a little robot? If they can't, call up some Pimalites. The get with David and the technology chief. came. I would not be surprised if the morphing technology came after the Yerks or as a result of the Yerks escaping. And by that point. You can't no. be like, hey, you've infested these creatures. Well, um, they said they've been working on it for years. Like let's it's, it's make been... you now a robot? They had that before the Yerks uprising. Like, it sounds like, like it was developed know. right as. It just was not mass yeah. produced until later. Or spread more until later. What about, like, there'd be, like, Yerk sports? My god, we are not. Just imagine the rivalries between the uh, Andalite... Oh shoot! What was the what was the Andalite sport called? I don't remember. Scoop ball? No. Highlight? Yes. That, no. I mean, we decided <laughs> it was space highlight. Yes. Imagine <laughs> the space highlight rivalries between the Andalite teams <laughs> and the Yerk teams. That would be fantastic. They'd have special suits just for for playing the game. They'd have different sets too. Like these are our home game suits. These are our away game suits. You know what else they'd have? Four legs and seven fingers on their suits. Because I bet they would be designed with Andalite bodies in mind as opposed to humans. Because human bodies aren't that like efficient, according to them. Yeah, that's true. 
So you'd have little cowboy yerks riding around on their blue reindeer. I like yerks and cowboy hats. I don't know why. That's a that's a good thing for me. I'm going to spend the rest of the episode just coming up <laughs> with things that they would do with their little yerk party. <laughs> I might go write like the alternate history, the alternate Animorphs history where they get this. The ultimate, the alternate Animorphs history is then just these kids graduating from high school <laughs> yeah. and going on and getting married. And, Marco you know. going to work for the current White House. <laughs> Stop. Oh, wait, no. I established it was David who did that. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> David going on to work for the current White House. Yeah. It would be like one page long. And be like, there's these kids. They were happy. They were never amounted to anything significant. And that's okay. <laughs> Marco always had a mom. Oh, God. Wow. Actually, no, I'd still kill her anyways. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's reserved for Tobias. <clears throat> Tobias wouldn't exist. Tobias wouldn't exist. There would be no Tobias. That means that all those Rachel Marco shippers would be very happy, I'm sure. <laughs> Rachel would Rachel would have found a way to end up with Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> I think we just wrote it. I think we My did. alternate history. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the alternate Animorphs history with your bullshit. Alternamorphs yeah. three. <laughs> Yerk Sports. Yerk Sports. With a Z. Because it was the 90s. They have like a thriving, like, metal digging, I don't know, business, exporting business. Yerk Vandalay? Okay, moving on from this conversation. <laughs> For the love of God. Okay. Um, hey. Hey. Uh, the tallest tree in the nearby surroundings, the, the, uh... Spirit tree? Tribe tree. Tribe tree. That's what it was. What was spirit tree? Where did that come from? I think that's a Zelda thing. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah, the tribe tree. Is, uh, 2,119 feet high. Almost Mm -hmm. half a mile tall. Would anyone like to know, because for once I actually looked it up as I thought about Googling it, how tall the tallest tree on Earth is? I thought about Googling it, and I did not, so yes. It is 379.7 feet, or for the at least one person who in the Discord will yell at us about not giving it in metric, 115.7 meters, Ian. (laughs) (laughs) How tall is the tallest building? Did we ever have that conversation? I mean... Like, I wonder how tall our tallest building compares to this tree. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the Burj Khalifa. Which is 2,717 feet. I was about to say 7,000 would be impressive. I am Googling tallest building to confirm. I mean, I did that. Oh, you did? Thank you for confirming my Googling. Did you say it's 2,700 feet? 2,717. I wonder what it was at the time that this book was written. I wonder if the two correlated. Uh, No, because I don't think that building is that old. That building is not that old. Uh, no, 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 that's what I mean. I wonder if the tallest building was the same height as this tree. Well, what year was this built? Or written? 97 98. or were we 98? We're in 98. It might have been... Was it the World Trade Center at that point still? I don't know. It might have been, although... Shona says, like, just shy of 2,000 feet. 98 through 2014 was the Patronus Tower, which... Was 1483. Okay. 
So it would have been shorter by a third. You said 1483? Uh Uh-huh. Are we doing meters again? 451.9. Oh, okay. So shorter than this tree by a third. Yes. Okay. The Trade Center has not been the tallest building since the Sears Tower came into existence. That's what I thought. Okay. I, for whatever reason, can never remember whether the Sears Tower is taller or not. I feel like there was some drama with that at some point. Yeah. Know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, the tallest building was um, under 2,000 feet until 2010. Was that when the Burj Khalifa was built? Mm-hmm. I'd ask if I get points for knowing the name without having to look up the name, but nope. this is not academic bull. Yeah. No, you did not. Alright. Did you have any more notes, Alex? Um, I've got one there. I've got one. I think I'm down to two things. I've actually tried to go through these as swiftly as possible because I had... It took me 45 minutes just to organize them. Um, I want to see this as a Star Wars movie. Like, I, I don't know. That's what I kept picturing is like the more recent Star Wars movies where you've got, I think it's kind of the theme throughout most of them though, where you've got the good side running around and doing peaceful things. And then you've got the dark side doing these like ominous, I don't know. That's just what I kept picturing. Also, it literally opens with far, far away. Yeah. And it was a long time ago, a whole 30 years um i don't know this was just the first one in a while that i could just like see working as a really really good standalone movie yeah okay tim yes sir this is where i am picking a fight and i know i'm picking a fight so you're forewarned let's do this am i the only one who feels like the uh the following is revisiting the answer is that is always no Continue. Is yeah, but sometimes it's rhetorical to set up a <laughs> thing. I'm totally just I'm sorry, you can cut that. It is just one of my pet peeves on the internet. Fair. Um also I I, I yeah. I literally opened with Hey Tim, I'm about to pick a fight, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um Aldrea says we can save your people. If they will learn to fight, they don't have to be destroyed. Yes, they do, he said quietly. Either they will learn to fight and hurt and kill, or they will learn to be slaves. Both will destroy them, killers or slaves. They will be one or the other, killers or slaves. Does this does this work for you, Tim? Because I know the chi thing made you mad, and this is basically the same argument. Uh, well, it, you know what? When you boil it down, it is basically the same argument. But this time he's right, and I don't know what the difference is. I I guess it's the fact that I don't believe the hork are capable of learning to fight in a time enough to save themselves. You still think they should learn to fight? No, I don't. Like, it, 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 they're not going to become warring experts. And even if they do, uh, this society is a pretty cool society. And it's not going to be a cool society. It's going to be, like humans the minute that they start fighting you know you don't think 
secret androids with robot or who are secret androids with dogs there we go with dogs that are the spirits of their creators and an underground dog part is a cool society no it was a cool society but it was also reasonable that they could stop the york invasion the hork bajir are just toast either way because they're gonna have their little like video montage of them learning how to fight it'll be just like an army of darkness except it's not enough time for that montage to be effective they would go out and they'd get their asses kicked and even let's say that they do win uh, they're not advanced enough to handle what it is that they'd be taking in so you know it would just be problematic and it would it would spell the end of this race no matter what the the, the harpish here at this point are already defeated they just don't know it yet so, in a fight between hork and Ewoks, you would put money on the Ewoks? I would. Absolutely the Ewoks would take the hork Aren't Ewoks evil? Isn't that the argument? No, but they're, they're, they're trick, Trixie, whatever. Trixie Hobbitses? <laughs> yes, they're Trixie Hobbitses. They're Trixie Fuzzy Hobbitses. Hobbitses are fuzzy, too. Just look That's at their true. feet. They're, they're extra fuzzy? Um, they are no. just you heard it here ewoks are just hirsute hobbits <laughs> but no uh let me tell you the ewoks would wear out the hork like a non a yerk free hork society they wouldn't know what hit them and it'd all be like arnold schwarzenegger predator traps that would do the men because basically wasn't arnold schwarzenegger just an ewok in predator Oh my god. He's a hairless Ewok. That whole team, that was just an, an Ewok tribe. No. Fighting the Predator. <laughs> All they did was set like these traps that they built out of the forest. Like, and they no. had guns, but. I, you either get Andalites that are Yerk or robotic Yerks, or you get to continue down this Ewok. Bullshit. I don't get to do both? No. No, I. Uh... Oh, I only get one. Keep the robotic yurks. Yeah, I guess I have to since we already wrote the fan fiction. Yeah. Also, after you asked about the other thing, I looked it up and this take won't age well. What? About nope. Yeah. Nope. It's not nope. going to age well. Nope. Let's cut this one. I promise. Uh, no, I said you can cut it, yeah. but I don't give a shit about it aging well. Well. I. You can You can cut all you want on that one, so... What's next? The best line in this series to date is in this book. It was too late for Doc. He knew that the stars were not flowers. It was too late for Doc. So sad. Why is that the best line in the book? Because it's a perfect metaphor. And it's a metaphor that is even, even like Aldrea picking up his perspective and his language and yes it's in her dark spot but uh like it's it's just i don't it's the whole it's like the 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 it's a metaphor for the whole thing behind the whole series the the cost of knowledge the cost of experience is innocence is perspective is knowing that the stars aren't flowers is pain knowing that danger comes from above or without, or from leaving the cave. It's necessary to do to grow, 
And if you want to grow, you have to learn to live with it. But the reality is, once you have it, you can't you can't unring that bell. You can never think again that the stars are flowers. True. It's a very sad book. And we've only read the first half of the second halves are always more buck wild. Yeah, I don't I don't get to declare it sad yet. I have to read the other half before I know, but it definitely Her entire family got killed. Of course it's sad. Well Her and, entire and family for the got fact is either going to die. The or entire race to... is probably on the chopping block in the next one, but I gotta finish it before I can declare and it. And Esplin's twin is gonna become a cannibal. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? We need another fucking counter. <laughs> uh. I am amused that he's not mentioned at all in this book. Yeah. He sort of halfway is, because he says something about being yeah. a twin. It's 9466. We all know we know that means I'm a twin. Yeah. Twins are so special. <laughs> Supplementary mention there. Is that all your notes, Alex? Um, unless we want to talk about the specific lines that made me get the uh, main theme from the animated Tar Wars, Tar Wars Tarzan film stuck in my head. <laughs> I mean, what? I kept getting the Legally Blonde song where she just just let me be Legally Blonde. I had Phil Collins. I wish. I wish I'd had Legally Blonde. I mean, it's a similar ideal. Anytime, basically, that, uh, well, my thin, strong arms reached and grabbed the tree crown. I swung around once and down below me on yet another branch. I saw Doc. He was looking up and grinning. A thing Hork-Bajir do with their mouths. I released and glided down to him. I raced for the trunk of the nearest tree. My four stubby legs. Like, anytime they're doing, like, arboreal parkour, I immediately go to, like, two worlds, one family. That's fair. I also like that no matter how much she may be into Doc, she keeps talking about how ugly the work Bajir are. Or how gruesome they look. Also, I know we've talked before about, like, cover artists weren't given copies of books. But there's no way he could smile if he actually had a beak like he has on the the covers of this. Andalite smile and they don't have a fucking mouth. They smize. I'm just saying. It you says can make it work. It says explicitly he smiles with his mouth. Look at the picture on the back cover. I mean, the top half of that is pretty chitinous. I guess, though, I mean, he does have some pretty deep mouth points. Yeah, they don't look similar, to be honest, the, the representations of the mouth. I mean, I think just one's straight on and one's... Like, it would nest in there like yeah, a like one, a bird beak. Like, he has an overbite. One looks like a beak. One doesn't look like a beak. I think smiling might be difficult, but maybe not impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even here, we have, to, we have to make fun of people with mouths. I see how it is, Andalites. <laughs> They are useless until you experience food. I'm going to say, until you get your hands on a Cinnabon. Go ahead, have one. <laughs> one Cinnabon, one plate, one tray? Who knows? Um, I don't know if you guys follow Michael Grant. This is kind of out of the blue. On Twitter at all. Um, but it looks like they might be going forward with the graphic novels. Uh, I hope so. I know it's been in the works a while. I didn't see that. I saw something about that he put about the gone tv show yeah i'm all here for that too but I, I didn't see anything about the it's the same thread if i'm not mistaken is it uh it might have been yesterday now that i think about it i don't know he talks about the gone tv show quite a bit yeah he does like that's pretty much all i catch 
But it's his main series. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Well, not his main series, but it was the like next big one after Animorphs, if I remember correctly, for him. But anyways, graphic novel looks like it might be uh, moving forward a little bit. Cool. Which they have no anything involvement with, but yeah. it'll still be cool. You know what else I want? I want to learn more about ancient Andalite superstition and myth. Yeah. There's a line in here. And yet, although we Andalites are not superstitious, we do have our own ancient myths of dark, deep places within the ground. Places of fear and loathing. Andalites have a hell. Or Las Vegas. That's very true, too. Maybe a Hunter S. Thompson as well. We also get more talk of their trees talking, which I think we discussed quite a bit in the Andalite Chronicles about if it was, like, literally talking or not. Yeah. And I think this is, like... To enforce that they literally supposedly talk. No Lorax on the Andalite homeworld. The trees can speak for themselves. There you go. Is the Illumist actually a Time Lord? He's clearly... The Illumist exists out of, outside of everything. Here we go. I was not fooled by the way my eyes kept sliding away from the gap. This is Tobias trying to fly to the hork Valley, not Rachel going to the mall. Uh, I was not fooled by the way my eyes kept sliding away from the gap, as if some negative magnetism was at work. That sounds like a perception filter to me, which makes me think the doctor is here somewhere. I mean, that's fair. I think the almost would laugh at Time Lords. I'm going to have to side with Meg on that one. Not if he is the one. Stuff he, the, the stuff he does is a little too... I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the word is because the stuff the doctor does is pretty grand, but it's on kind of a... It's cosmic. Yeah, that's a better word for it. It's on a different scale. I'm just saying, the doctor is known by many names. Maybe the Elemist is one of them. Like the Veil Yard. <clears throat> This will be a good discussion when we've all actually read the Elemis Chronicles because I don't remember anything about that damn book. <laughs> I just have a memory of two guys playing chess, which is how I've always pictured it. The Doctor and the Master. I feel like there was a movie that opened with that, but now I'm totally wrong. Isn't that it's... The Seventh Seal? No, no, no. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about a more recent movie. Oh. I'm sure there's like. Plenty of them with the God and Devil, with the God. No, it's the God and Devil. The it God was like devil. a sequel to something. It was weird. It, like I have this memory in my head, and now I can't think of what movie it is. I'm not. It's not like I know Seventh Seal. That's not what I'm thinking of. But also, speaking of God and Devil, everybody should watch Good Omens. I will get there. Yeah, you yeah. need to finish iZombie first. Hey, I'm caught up on iZombie now. No, I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You needed to do that. Still got Lucifer. I need, I need to catch up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the Tick. Legends of Tomorrow. Um, Black Lightning. Riverdale. Swamp Thing. Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol. Yeah. Teen Titan, or Titans. Young Justice. Alright, well, why don't you give us your animal fact, Alex? Um, do I have an animal fact this week? It sounds like no. Oh, hang on. I've got to get to my reading list where I have them, where I normally have them saved. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay, cool. 
Saw this headline and saved it. Haven't read it yet. Hope it's fun. Are you going to read it as you do it? I am. (laughs) Frogs in Myanmar are surprisingly dependent upon elephants, or rather the tracks they leave behind. New research shows that water-filled elephant footprints provide an underappreciated sanctuary for frogs to lay their eggs. Oh, that makes me happy. Yeah. Um... You'd think these tiny amphibians would prefer to steer clear of the pachyderms lest they get trampled by their enormous feet, but those giant feet provide an unexpected refuge for frogs, as new research published this week in the science journal Mammalia points out. During the dry season in the Southeast Asian nation of Myanmar, formerly Burma, some elephant tracks fill up with water, creating a wet place for frogs to lay their eggs and for tadpoles to grow to maturity. The water-filled elephant tracks, in addition to providing refuge, may also function as stepping stones that connect various frog populations. So what if the elephant does, like, walk the same path? Um... Surely that has to happen, right? Elephant goes to work, elephant comes home, elephant goes to work again the same day, or the next day? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. And they never forget where to step. Maybe they just remember the tracks are there. I'm looking to see. Um, it doesn't sound right, but I'm going to go on a limb and point out the way fluid dynamics work. That, you know, if elephants step in there, by and large, the uh, frogs yeah. would be displaced. Like That's true. Like, if you've got a glass of water and you're trying to pick a hair or something out of it, you reach for it and it flows away yeah that makes sense so i'm gonna guess that like you know if you've got a a footprint in mud full of water it's only gonna get muddier and be bigger and there'll be room to go worst case they spill out onto land and when you slurp back cohesion between water molecules pulls you right back in that's the world i live in where frogs don't get hurt by elephants frogs frogs don't get hurt by elephants and butterflies drink turtle tears (laughs) Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Alright. So there you go. At least we know Alex is carrying us this song. No, it goes too high for me to do for karaoke. Uh, John Cage's 438 or whatever it's called, that's my karaoke song. I don't know what that is. 433. Damn it, I had it right the first time and second guessed. 433 is a performance piece by John Cage, who is a piano composer, in which he sits silently at a piano for four minutes and 33 seconds without playing a note. (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. Yep. It kills at karaoke. Alright, do I have to do predictions yes. since we're already in the book? Yes, you yeah. do. We've got a whole half, a book. half of the book. Hey, Tim, okay. Tim, Tim. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. already yeah. laid a lot of groundwork for you here with that whole Aloran has to show up, logically speaking. No, I know, I know. I mean, literally, I think we've laid out all the predictions you could yeah. want. But... Um, so, Aldria and Deck are a couple, and that's going to happen. All of the Hork-Bajir are going to get taken by Yerks. Aloran's going to show up and launch the virus, and it's going to go terribly. 
Why do you think what the secret underground Jax? civilization that we haven't mentioned at all until an hour and a half in is? Um, I think it's... It's gotta be, like, alternate Hork-Bajir or something like that, right? What What is an alternate Hork-Bajir? Like a, a They wear a lots of black of... and dye their horns colors? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a, gonna be the same people that were split off somehow. Because I don't know what other race could, could possibly be. Maybe this is where the, the flying mouth wheel race comes from. Maybe, but I don't think so. It's possible. We've had a monster that all we've seen is its hands. Jubba Jubba. <laughs> yep. It's funny whenever you say it out loud. <laughs> I mean, it's basically I mean, it, the same I guess mouth it could sounds be... as Jabu Jabu from Zelda, but Jabba Jabba, Jabba <laughs> is much funnier. It, um... Is it really spelled backwards? Is it spelled J-A-B-B-U? Did I read that wrong? No, Jabu Jabu is from Zelda. Jabba Jabba oh, okay. is this. Um, I suppose it could be the Jabba Jabba peoples. Uh, I, it doesn't really sound like it fits, though. Because it sounds like those are giant and they live in the blue. And it sounds like whoever's down here probably probably doesn't venture up top too much or else they would have known that they existed. So that's my going theory, is that it's a Hork-Bajir race. Or the Hork-Bajir people, but that had been split off sometime before. Sort of like an Aloy-Morlock situation? Yes. Yes. Exactly like that. Any thoughts on the human, uh, the Earthbound or Earth-based uh, Hork-Bajir? It's funny you say Earthbound, because really... underground giants had me already thinking about Earthbound. So, uh, any... Any thoughts or... I mean, because uh, I'm assuming we're going to get an epilogue at some point. Yeah, but, they'll uh, just finish telling the story to Tobias. I don't think that that story progresses too much. I mean, it's progressed a little, but hasn't been acknowledged, really, but... Well, no, I mean, you're talking about the growth of the family? It's not just the family that's Oh, uh, the growth of the species, let me put it that way. Yes, you're right. It's not yes. just the family that's grown? Yeah, there's there's many hork here now. And, uh, okay. That's all you think? Okay. Cool. Unless that gets explained. But I don't think they've been going out and freeing Hork-Bajir. You just think they're popping them out? And... I honestly don't know. I didn't really give it any thought when I was reading it. We do learn that Hork-Bajir live shorter lives than humans, but we also seem to have it confirmed in the prologue that despite that, my guess that they came out as individual babies and not litters was right, because we get yeah. that uh, Jeremy and, I forget Jeremy's partner's name, have a child. Did they name yeah. the child? I don't think they n- named the child. I mean, I remember the child's name, but I was curious if they said it. Um... Ket Helpak is his partner. Yes. That was the name I was blanking on. Uh, I don't see... I don't see their child's name skimming through. Okay. We'd like to thank Christina Spinks for our show art. If you're interested in getting some cool art from her, email her at c.spinks.animator at gmail.com. Or visit her at Chaos Does Art on Instagram. Peep our social meds at Minds at Yerk on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to send us questions, comments, or love letters, you can email us at mindsatyerk at gmail.com. Website is mindsatyerk.com. 
spell Yerk, Y-E-E-R-K. If you like us and want to help us out, rate review on Apple Podcasts, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. Let us know if we aren't on your podcatcher of choice. Mention the Discord? Oh yeah, come join our Discord. I feel like we're missing something. Is it not just me? And listen to everybody else's other podcasts. Um, I mean, we did Tim's predictions. I'm about to do the flip through and find a quote thing. Yeah. There's not really technology to talk about other than York robot suits. Yeah, no, Which I just feel like we covered. Yeah. It's cool. We'll remember later and kick ourselves. Yeah. All right. Somebody say when. When? Instantly, I knew that this creature was very different from a Ged. Jed. I'm Tim. My name is Alex. I'm Megan. And until then, we fight.